Acts chapter number 16, I want to look at verses 22 through 34. Amazing story that's happening here. In, the, in verse 22 it says, The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, and they commanded to beat them. When he had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he brought them out and, and he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. I want to ask this question this morning. How big is God to you? How big is God to you? Father, I pray that you'd fill us with your power. Lord, thank you for everyone that's here it's such a blessing just to be able to gather together and worship you and sing the praises that lift your name. And Lord, oftentimes as Daryl depicting that song, so many people have a heart to do something for you. And yet we look for uh, the professionalism and we look for the perfection. And sometimes we look more for the outward and the external rather than the internal and the heart that's there. And Lord, I pray that while we want to do our best for you, I pray that we'd never discount somebody with a heart for you. And Lord, I pray this morning you'd help us to realize that you're so big that you can overcome anything we face. Bless now this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing story has taken place here. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, they're out ministering and they're preaching the gospel and they're, they're sharing Jesus with the, the world around them. And I mean, they're doing what God's word has commanded them to do. And it's not like they're out uh, uh, trying to get people's money or they're out trying to deceive people, but they're literally preaching Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, which is what the word of God says. They're preaching this. And as a result of their faithfulness to the Lord, the Bible says that they're not only uh, arrested, but they've been beaten for their faith. They, they have been taken in and the, the, the crowd didn't like what they had to say and so they beat them and they threw them into prison and I'll be honest right there, uh, that's about the point that a whole lot of Christians would be having a sob story. They'd be whining and complaining, Lord I've served you, I've lived for you, I've done all that I'm supposed to and look what's happened to me. I am in the worst place possible. Now here's how I know that that's what we'd be saying because oftentimes in our walk with God we have much less uh, uh, bad things happen to us. We have have things that aren't near in comparison to what Paul and Silas went through, and yet we'll have our pity parties about, Lord, you've forsaken me, God, you've forgotten about me, God, uh, what is going on? It seems like you haven't answered my prayer, and sometimes we're upset because God didn't give us the million dollars we asked for, God didn't give us the new sports car, the new home, or the new job, and, and we think we have it so bad. Paul and Silas have been preaching the word of Jesus, and the Bible says that they're thrown in to prison after being beat. Now we can measure the size of the God we trust by comparing him to the situations around us, which by the way, does take faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, you and I are supposed to live by faith. What is faith? It's not walking by sight. 
If I can see everything I'm supposed to do, then I'm not walking by faith. And sometimes God asks us to step out by faith in things that we don't know, in things that we can't understand, in things that we're not for sure about. But by faith, we trust God. Why? Because when we do that, we please him. And so we size up really how big our God is by how much faith we have in the situation around us. Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. By the way, very few, uh, probably none of us in here have ever been incarcerated for preaching God's word or for preaching the truth. And yet this is what is going on in their life. So it's hard for us to really understand or comprehend what is going on. It's hard for us to really catch what's taking place here. But they've been thrown into prison because of that. Now we can learn from them that the bigger your God, the bigger the task will be to accomplish. Uh, the bigger the God is in our lives, the more, listen, that God will put in our lives to trust him by faith. Sometimes we say, boy, I wish I was a Christian like that person was. I wish I had a prayer life like they did. I wish I had a, a, a trust like they did. I wish I was a witness like them. But sometimes we're not willing to take the necessary steps of faith. Listen, God is not going to show you the big unknown that he has for you. Somebody says, boy, I want to do something great for God. He's not going to reveal some great thing he has for you if you're not willing to do the basic things that he's commanded every Christian to do. If you're not willing to be faithful to him and to serve him in the basic things, he's not going to call you to do bigger things. It's in that time that we're put to the test that God builds us up or God enlarges our faith so that we can do more for him. Now, I know we all feel as if our God is awesome, and I think none of us would doubt that and that he's great. But there's three indicators that really can help us evaluate how big our God is. And by the way, listen, there are a lot of people who are serving a God, but it's not the God of this book. They've created a God in their own mind. They've created who they, God, who they think God is. They create who they want God to be. But let me just say, listen, the God of this Bible is the God we must follow. It's the God we must serve. And in times when we don't understand what God is doing, by faith we trust him. We realize this as we begin. God does not change and he's not confined to any size or shape. We're the ones who oftentimes will limit God and we'll, we'll kind of treat God as if he's something small rather than the big God that he is. The Bible says this in the scripture that God, listen, literally holds the world in the span of his hand. And if you understand the span is from the, the, the pinky tip to the thumb, he holds the world in the span of his hand. When you realize how big this world is, boy, it, it gets overwhelming for you and I. But then when you realize how big God is and the world is nothing to him, we understand that we serve a God. Listen, uh, with him, all things are possible and there's no reason to worry. Uh, when we hear the words, we've got cancer, there's no reason to worry. Uh, when we hear the words, our loved one's going to pass away. Listen, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. There's no reason to worry when we hear the words, you've lost your job and on and on I could go. Why? Because we have a God that's much bigger than any problem we face. And he can help us overcome any of those problems. So if God gets too small in our eyes, he's not large enough to handle the task that's set before us. There was a young man who decided that he wanted to play professional basketball at the age of nine well, he was always the smallest kid. And to be honest, if you're going to play basketball, you usually have to be pretty tall. He was determined he was going to play professional basketball. And he had a tough time in, in elementary and, and high school being teased because though he was a really good player, he was really small. In his ninth grade, as he went into high school, he was only five foot two. To be honest, it wasn't looking good for this guy. 
But he was determined he was going to play. And you know it's amazing, but sometimes people will look at, at, at us and they'll size us up and they'll say there's no way. David went through that even with his own brother when he was ready to face Goliath. They said, you know, look at you. Aren't, you know, what are you doing? Go back and take care of your, your few sheep and do the little tasks that you're supposed to be doing. And, and this man, he was determined. This is what he wanted to do with his life. And he worked hard and, and he practiced and, and he did all he could and he determined he wasn't going to listen to what anybody else said. Well, sure enough, he went on to play in the NBA, and at five foot seven, Spud Webb won the slam dunk competition. It's amazing to me. Some of y'all are 10 feet tall and can't dunk a ball. This guy was amazing. Oftentimes, listen, in our lives, if we're not careful, we'll allow the obstacles that are in our way to tell us we can't do something. This man didn't allow the obstacles to tell him he couldn't do something. Listen, there are going to be times in our life where, where our family, uh, where our friends, where the world, where the devil will try to tell us the obstacle in front of you is too great. But can I remind you this morning, the God we serve, listen, there's nothing too great for him. Don't stop trusting him. The criteria here, the size of your God is determined first off by the size of your praise when trials come. It's determined by the size of your praise when trials come. In verse 22, and the multitudes rose up together against him, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, he put them into the inner uh, prison, the Bible says, and made their feet fast with stocks. He was making sure they weren't going to get out of there. If they did get out of there, it was on him. And look what it says after he received this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. What's happening after they get beat? They're praying and singing the praises. Now, I, I, I'm just going to throw this out. Sometimes we have a tough time even singing on a Sunday morning at church. What's our excuse? You say, preacher, I just can't sing very well. Well, sing quieter, but sing. Amen. <laughs> Be nice to your neighbor, but sing. No, the reality is they have been thrown into prison after being beaten. What are they doing? They're praying. See, somebody says, well, I, preacher, I would love to pray more, but I just don't really have time. Well, is it going to take you getting beat for your faith and thrown into prison to make you have time to spend in prayer with God? This is what they're doing. The size of your praise is determined. Listen, when trials come, let me ask you a question. What is your response when those trials come your way? Well, how do you react? You know, here's, here's how people really, sometimes we hear this, this thought of we've got to be a light to the world. Here's how we can really be a light when we react different when the trials of life come. When we react like we have a God who we can trust. A lot of people that claim to be Christians act just like the rest of the world when they find out trials are coming. Hey, what is our response? We've got to evaluate why we're even in this place in the first place. Why are we here? What's going on? Is it the chastisement of God or is it opposition from the enemy? Don't just pray for it to leave, but learn to praise God while it's there. Isn't it amazing when a trial comes, the first thing we want to do is beg God to take it away. And I would say maybe a smarter response would be to praise God that he put it in your life. You say, do you really believe sometimes God will allow things to happen in your life that aren't good? Oh, yes, I believe it. I've seen it happen and I've seen God use it for his honor and his glory. According to Romans 8, 28, hey, listen, that situation that seems difficult, and you're, un, you're trying to figure out why it's there. God can use it, listen, to bring honor and glory to himself. Why is it there and how do we respond? We all recognize that we have something to praise God for. We know he's worthy. Why? Because he's God. There's, some, there's a reason why we must praise him. He's worthy of it. And we understand that. But if you can, do you praise God continually? Regardless of the circumstances or surroundings, 
Do you understand that your God is big enough for the task? Not only do we determine how big God is by the size of our praise when trials come, but secondly, it's determined by the size of our pride when we get the upper hand. Verses 26 through 28, he says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that they all had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we're all here. It would have been easy. The tables turned. It would have been easy for Paul to say, God has done made a way for us to escape out of here. But what are they doing? They're still in the place they're supposed to be because it was the right thing to do. It's amazing how sometimes our attitudes will change when we get the upper hand to our enemy. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel good when the table turns on your enemy? Do you feel good? Don't you wish sometimes, I know this Sunday morning, some of y'all won't admit this, but don't you wish sometimes you could be God and just rain down fire upon your enemies? Well, some of y'all are being real spiritual this morning. I know better. Because I've seen some of you, when you get stuck behind that moron that can't drive and you wish you could zap them right there. God, why did you even put this person here on planet Earth? I know this. Y'all are acting so innocent this morning. Lord, thank you that we have such a spiritual church of people that's never got mad. I pray that you'll help the rest of us, the few of us that do. I've thought about it, man. When I was going through the trials, there's been some times where I thought, God, if you would just allow me to be God for a few minutes, I could take care of that problem. Because if God thinks it, boom, it's done. That person, gone, boom. Here's the reason, though, God doesn't do that, because he's long-suffering, he's merciful. And it's amazing how when it's our enemy, we don't think they deserve mercy. But when it's us, we think we deserve all the mercy we can get. What's our reaction? When you feel as if your enemy has been delivered over to you, it's precisely at that time that they should become your friend. It's amazing. There's a lot of verses we have to skip over. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, love thy word. And he says, nothing shall offend them. Yet how often do we get offended? And I'm not just preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching myself. How often do we get offended by things that happen? And the Bible says, if we really love the word of God, it will change our perspective. We won't be so offended. We begin to understand when the world acts like the world, that's what they do. And when they reject us as believers, they're actually rejecting Jesus Christ. And so our attitude ought to be, uh, listen, when we feel like the enemy's been delivered, let's find a way to befriend them and help them. My, my grandfather was at a preacher's meeting years and years ago, and, and, and there was a young preacher that got up, and most of the preachers at this meeting were well-experienced preachers, and they had a young preacher knew the area, and they had him preach. It was a, a morning conference. They had him preach, and he got up, and he preached some things that that particular group of preachers that was there, they did not believe. They didn't believe it lined up with the Scripture, and sure enough, when he got done, he got a good old-fashioned shunning. Not a, one of those preachers wanted to talk to him because he had none spoken error in their minds. My grandfather went up to him afterwards and he said, could we have lunch? And he said, yeah, I'd be glad to. And he began to talk to him. And he said, tell me, what have you been reading? Tell me what you've been studying. They began to talk. And he, he said, could I send you some things? And, and back then, this was before the internet, he sent him some books and things and began to mentor and help this guy understand the ways of his error. Listen, I'm just saying sometimes, instead of rejecting people that aren't just like we are, sometimes rejecting those who don't think like we do, maybe we could actually teach them and show them the love of Christ. If you love and reach out to your enemies when they're down, then your God's big enough for any task. By the way, it takes great faith to do that sometimes. I'm not standing up here trying to pretend that 
As a human being, sometimes we don't get mad and want retaliation. Revenge is a wonderful thing in most people's minds. Oftentimes we don't just want revenge. We want to give them worse than what they gave us. There's people like Senator Beavers who's here today who <laughs> I laugh because used to be when people wanted to criticize her, all they had to do was, you know, uh, they had to say it to, to people that were around them or they might could get something put in a newspaper or something like that. Now, because of social media, anybody and everybody can put stuff all over and criticize and not just her. They do it with anybody. The, the wonderful thing about social media is you can reach a lot of people. The bad thing about it is a lot of people can reach you. And sometimes when people reach out and say things about me, I'm thinking that my idea when I was 17 years old, I come up with this. I, I have it copyrighted. I believe that if we could have a missionary that was a Christian hitman that could be hired to take out people that we don't like, I believe that would be a wonderful missionary we could support. Amen? I mean, these are the things you think about when you're 17 sitting at church. Amen? I was like, I'd like to see that missionary present his slides. Amen? But think about it. How do we retaliate? Let me give you this last one. The size of your productivity when it comes to the opportunities will determine how big your God is. The size of your productivity when the opportunity comes, how big is your God? In verses 29 through 34, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He brings them out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? As a result of the way they reacted, as a result of how big they showed their God was, this man goes, I need to know the Savior you're serving. I need to know about the God that you believe in. I need to know about the God that can allow you to be beat, thrown in prison, an earthquake comes and you guys could have escaped and yet you stayed here. I got to know about that God. See, it's through our testings and our trials that our faith really is put uh, in true uh, form. It's really put uh, in light and, and people can really see whether or not we really believe in the God we say we believe. It's not a lot of faith to get up, especially in Middle Tennessee, and come to church on Sunday morning. It's just not. Well, I'm afraid people might think I'm crazy because I go to church. So does half the people living here. We're not hiding from the government to get to church. We're not trying to sneak around. Not yet anyway. We blessed as a nation. Listen, it's not a lot of faith to get up and go to church. Now, sometimes it takes a lot of uh, uh, motivation because we stayed up too late the night before. But it's not a lot of faith to come to church, but it is a lot of faith sometimes when we began to go through the trials of life and the afflictions of life and we show how big our God is. How well do we minister when the opportunity comes? How well do we witness? How well do we serve? How do we serve those in need, those struggling with commitment, those weak and vulnerable? Even when we feel the same way sometimes, we feel like, man, I'm having a tough time, preacher. Listen, the best thing you can do is show how big your God is and just be faithful. If you're positively making an impact in the lives of others, then you're experiencing a changed life. And then you're showing that your God is big enough for any task. Let me ask you a question. How big is your God? How, how big is the God that you serve? And I hope, listen, that you've got into the word of God and discovered who he is and not tried to create something based on what other people have said and, and what you may think he should be like. Can I ask you this? Is he big enough to change the way you respond in a bad situation? I can tell a lot of stories. My great-grandfather 
stories of, 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 of him responding in a way of faith. I, I love this one. My, my grandpa Graham ran away at 16. I say ran away, but he lied about his age and got in the Navy and, and served in World War II. And my great-grandparents were praying for them. This was their oldest son, and they believed that he was supposed to be a preacher, and they had prayed and prayed that God would raise up a preacher. And he'd been serving for a while, and, and one day there in Missouri where they lived, a knock came on the door, and it was a couple of, of, of military representatives from the Navy, and they said, we're here to inform you that your son has died. And my great-grandmother said, that can't be. We gave him to the Lord and asked God to raise him up a preacher. And, and we just believe God's going to make him a preacher. And the man said, uh, man, we're not going based off a whim here. We're not just here to tell you something we don't know. This is the truth. Your son is dead. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you that. But there's nothing big enough to change that. And my great grandfather said, you don't know how big our God is. By the way, four days later, those same two had to come back and tell him, uh, your son's still alive. He was discovered with a group of people that had survived a, a, a pretty difficult situation and he's one of them that survived and he's still alive. And by the way, it took him a few years after getting out for the Lord to get a hold of his heart, but he became a preacher and preached the gospel for 50 years and God used him in a great way. But I'm just telling you, there was a time, listen, uh, when, when a great storm, a great uh, difficulty of news came to him and they said, no, 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 our God's big enough. I could tell you stories of my parents Sitting over here on the second row is a miracle. And some of you have heard this, but I think I was 11, I think, around there. Brad was about nine, maybe give or take a year. And he'd been sick for over a week. And the doctors would say it was the flu and kind of ignoring it. And on Saturday night, the ambulance came out to our little house there in the country and they picked him up and Brad was incoherent. He wasn't responding and they took him to the hospital and the doctor said, we don't know what's going on. We're going to med flight him to the children's hospital and they sent him to the children's hospital and, and on that flight over, his temperature was about 108 and his blood pressure bottomed out several times and when we got to the children's hospital, the, the surgeon said, we figured out what's wrong. His appendix had been ruptured all this time. And they said, we don't think he's going to make it, but if he does, at best, he'll be a vegetable the rest of his life. My parents began to pray. People from the church began to show up. We began to pray. Sometime a little bit later, my brother Brian and I, who are the oldest two, I'm the oldest and then Brian and then Brad, and we got to the hospital and they said, you, you might want to have your boys go in and pray uh, or go in and see their brother. This may be the last time they see him alive. Of course, he wasn't responding. He was hooked up to all kinds of things. And I went in there and my dad said, you know, let's go in there and pray. And I went in there and I grabbed his hand and I prayed. The only prayer I could think of is a 10, 11 year old older brother. I said, God, if you'll spare Brad's life, I'll never fuss or fight with him again. I'll never call him names. I'll be the best big brother I can be. If I'd have known he's going to be such a moron, I wouldn't have prayed that prayer. Amen. <laughs> but God took that time to really see what kind of reaction was going to come from, especially my parents, but our family, our church. And I watched as my parents didn't know if their son was going to live or not, went over and began to minister to other families who had children who were at the same place that their son was. And I remember being in a room with them at one point and there was a particular family who had twins and, and one of them had died and the other one was on the deathbed. And I remember my dad saying, listen, uh, we serve a God who's able, but more importantly uh, than whether or not he raises your child up is that you know him because if you don't know him, you'll never enjoy the peace that can come from the worst situation. And God 
use them in that situation. By the way, he raised Brad up. And I'll, I've never said this publicly with him in the room, but I'll say it. Brad's probably the smartest out of all eight of us kids. So we did a, a survey on Facebook. Somebody did. My sister filled it out. And when it said smartest, Brad won. I don't know how that happened. I can tell you in my life, situations, God allowed things to come our way that we had to, do we really believe he's big enough? Do we really believe he's able? How big is your God? Hey, listen, when we react as David did, they take him out and they show him Goliath. Can you imagine as he's sitting there and this huge, valiant warrior standing there and he's mocking the nation of Israel and they show him Goliath and they even said, look, nobody wants to face this dude. He's too big. He's too great. There's nothing we can do. And David said, what are you talking about, man? God's on our side. He's nothing compared to God. And the doubters began to throw out, oh, now. David, you're a young man. You don't know. And sometimes people will tell you this. Oh, you haven't been saved that long. Oh, you don't really understand. Once you've been around church as long as I have, you'll be as dead as I am. <laughs> we say, no, no, no. Yeah, the problem may look big. Goliath may look tall, but in comparison to God, he's nothing. Hey, listen, how big is your God? Is he big enough that you trust him no matter what comes your way? Amen. Understand he's far greater He's far stronger, he's far wiser, and he's more able than we could ever imagine. And the Bible says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. That's how big God is. May we trust him every day of our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to recognize that no matter what we face in life, there's nothing too great for you. Lord, even in this room, I have no doubt there's been people who've been given some tough news over the last week or few weeks, and maybe some who've lost a job or some who've uh, had some health scares or other things that may be coming their way, some wayward children, whatever it might be. And Lord, sometimes we began to see all the circumstances around us and we began to wonder, are, are we ever going to get out of this? What are we going to do? And the reality is no matter what we face, the answer is always to trust you because you're big enough to help us with any situation we face. And Lord, even when it doesn't go the way we hope, the way we want, we still trust you because you are not only King of kings and Lord of lords, but you know what's best in your ways are so far above our ways. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom. Help us to learn to trust you in everything. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just a moment this morning. Listen, you're here. You don't know this Savior that we've sung about this morning. You don't know this Savior that we've talked about this morning. The Bible says He's not willing it, that any should perish. He wants all to come to Him through repentance. He wants all to come to Him through salvation. He wants all to know who He is. Why? Because He gave His life for you. And you don't know Jesus. I want you this morning. Listen, I want to invite you to receive Him into your heart and life. But maybe you're here today and, and you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but there's just some things in my life that I need to... to to change. Listen, he is the most forgiving. He's the most accepting. He's the most wonderful person, God, that you'll ever know. You have family who love you and sometimes they're forgiving, but their forgiveness can't compare to the, the forgiveness that God gives. And he's willing to forgive you. He's willing to let you come and be a part of his family. Say, preacher, I've done some bad things. His blood is sufficient. His grace is enough. You say, preacher, I'd like to become a part of this church. I'd like to 
follow the Lord in believer's baptism. If you need to do that this morning, would you come and present yourself? We'd love to have you. And let me give you this one last thing. How many say, preacher, I've got one of those problems in front of me. And I want to ask that you would pray for me that I would handle it with great faith and that I would show by my actions that I believe that God is big enough. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Let me pray for this morning. Preacher, I've got a need. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, bless this time. Have your will and way. We pray as we stand to our feet.